Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is April 24th, 2017. This is episode 198. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And in this episode, we're going to talk to Eric from Barstool Sports to see what just happened to the media landscape around baseball this past weekend. We're also going to throw on our orange sunglasses and our berets. We're going to grow sadly ironic facial hair, pull out the bongos, and visit the Orioles Poetry Corner. Ooh, remind me to miss that. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this week? I'm actually too heavily medicated this week to imbibe much of anything. Thank you, allergy season. Ooh, yeah, allergy season has been pretty bad. So, Jake, I uh, my eyes are a little swollen as well, so uh, I'm going to go with a winking beverage. I'm going to go with a, oh boy, what a beer, Natty Bow. Uh, if you want to find out what Jake is drinking when his allergies are not acting up, you can follow him at Jake E4025. And for myself, you can follow me on untapped at MEGN8606. We actually had a pretty good weekend uh, this weekend at uh, JoJo's in uh, Frederick putting up uh, a plethora of uh, good good beers. So, what is a plethora? Uh, a, a bouquet, a potpourri, a cornucopia of, Ooh, of delights. Cornucopia, I like that. Thank you to everyone who's engaged with us on Untapped. I'm having a good time with that, and I'm also uh, picking up some great beer recommendations, so thank you. Yes. Well, with that and uh, all the allergies that should be known about, let's go in for a little checkup. All right, that's right. It's time for the medical wing. Let's get to tickling. Yeah, that tickled a little. That did tickle a little bit. So Chris Tillman's shoulder said all the right things after his last rehab start. Could be back up May 2nd. But, of course, he or the Orioles won't commit to that. Yeah, we could um, we could use another pitcher, but i got to be honest, we could only use a good Chris Tillman. I say take all the time you need. In the meantime— if, What we don't need is a belly itcher. We got the Albaldo show. <laughs> Joey Rickard uh, dealing with his left middle finger strain is on a rehab assignment tonight in Bowie and has put in a soggy one for three performance and stuff. I don't know what that means. It sounds like typical Joey Rickard. Meh. Meh. Zach Britton. Here's the interesting one. Uh, with his left forearm strain, he played catch today and has not yet met with the hand specialist. And it was my understanding that meeting with that hand specialist would clear him or not. Uh, to begin baseball activities in full and begin rehab assignments. So, Scotty, good sign, bad sign, meh? What do you think? I, I think he pulled the Wade Miley treatment where he just flicked him off with the middle finger and just walked out to the bullpen and decided to throw as it is. Very weird. Very, very weird situations going on with the whole, hey, uh, he's not scheduled for an MRI, but now he's going to have an MRI. You've got to go see the hand specialist before you th- start throwing. But you know what? We're just going to go out there and throw anyway, even though the hand specialist never said anything about it. Who knows what's going on with Zach Burton? Zach Burton could literally come back as soon as the DL is done, or he could be out for months ahead. But we have no clue because uh, information is slow to trickle out, which should make all Orioles fans nervous when the information is not flowing out readily to the beat writers. And hey, the bullpen isn't killing us right now either. So that's another situation. So of it's, get, <laughs> get, get right. Yeah. Because I don't want you here if you're not right. Yeah. You know what wasn't right this week? 140 characters or less. This week on the Twitters. Jake, why don't you go ahead and take the first one? Well, I would just like to say that this is going really, really smoothly. John Maoli, who, of course, tweets at John Maoli, 
writes for the Baltimore Sun, says, All parks went to the StatCast measurements, but the pitch types were way off. Going to make it hard for writers who don't watch and fans. He's, of course, talking about the new system at Camden Yards and all other parks uh, where the pitches are being called wrong. Uh, why is this not going better? This is the future. I have a I have a, a computer in my pocket that is more powerful than the one that landed men on the moon. We sure. have robots to vacuum for us. Cars park right. themselves. We can't tell the difference between a curveball and a slider. Come on, Scotty. You're right. We couldn't tell who was going to win the November 2016 election either. So... <laughs> Uh, it, here's the next tweet. It goes into this. It does not seem, um, likely this, this will happen. Um, most cases, this tweet comes from Adam Devoren. You can follow him at Adam Devoren. And he tweets us in response to, uh, our last podcast learned about at baseball book pod on at bird's eye view BAL. Who said, I can't learn anything from Scott and Jake. Jake, we have made an error. We need to re- re- rectify this in the future. Uh, people are learning from us, and uh, this is a bad thing. We'll put a stop to that. One second, let me swim my bear again. Go ahead. You go ahead and take we, the next tweet. We while I made this out. another error last week, mm-hmm. and Kevin mm-hmm. Owens, who tweets mm-hmm. at Kevin Owens seventy two underscore G, was kind enough to point it out uh, about our interview with uh, Justin McGuire. No Beatles versus Stones question. Ooh. That is spot on. We we did miss this. Um, Thank you for holding us accountable. That is an inexcusable error. Yeah. I, I'm ashamed. So something magical did happen this week on the Twitter. Um, Jim Palmer decided to get on there and do a question and answer session. And, of course, we had to ask the question, which is always on our minds. Jim, what's your drink of the week? And uh, Jim tweets as follows. Nice Chablis tonight to go with my chicken pesto. All right. It, it it's it's all right, but we were really going for Jim Palmer. Yes, I, I I think though that he was just rubbing in our face since I was drinking Merlot out of a box. Or I'm sorry, Malbec out of a box. Malbec out of a box ago. You don't think you can get Chablis out of a box? I'm willing to try. All right, a nice <laughs> French box probably. The next tweet comes from Matt Kremnitzer, who of course tweets at Matt Kremnitzer. If you're looking to focus on something that doesn't matter, then sure, harp on Kevin Gosman chewing gum. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Funny how this all went down. This tweet comes from Bill Byer. You can follow him at Byer underscore Bill. Player gets spiked. Player. Eh, no big deal. Camera pans to out of shape, white, middle-aged sports writer, putting on army fatigue and eye black. Yeah, that, that does sound very similar to this past weekend. You know what? We need to kind of get to the bottom of this whole media situation, as it were. Um, let's go and uh, get some... Um, some comments from the Stoolies. All right, folks, we all know what transpired this week on the field. But the story, unfortunately, became much more of what occurred off the field this week. Everyone and anyone who stepped in front of their keyboards this week, and um, they wanted to give their two cents on the situation that happened circling around Manny Machado and, and Dustin Pedroia. And uh, in a lot of instances, it was really unfortunate. It was a mix of old sports media and new sports media giving out the proverbial hot takes. And oh, it was a proverbial mess that was left on our hands. So we've invited... Eric Arditi of Barstool Sports onto our show to give us his take on the role that media should be taking as these situations unfold. Eric, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. So, Eric, you wrote um, a little bit on Barstool today and also um, after Friday's game, talking about the incident at Sunday's game um, with um, Boston headhunting to us in regard. Um, and you had a response that was up an opinion held by, I'd say, most of Baltimore um, for those that have not read your articles, can you enlighten us a little bit about the views um, that you hold right now and uh, on what transpired with the Machado situation? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of just, I, I, tr- I try not to be a homer. I, re- I really try not to, but there are times where, you know, I'll, I'll be chugging that orange Kool-Aid. Uh, I don't think this was one of them. I, when I first saw the slide, I first popped up and I said, oh, no. Because I, you know, I'm sure just like everyone else, I thought it looked bad. Then when they showed it again, I said, you know what? That it doesn't look that bad. And I kind of, I, I, I kind of tried to break it down, you know, scene by scene, frame by frame, and 
see where he started to slide and where Pedroia's foot was and even how he was receiving the ball. And I'm watching it and I'm, I'm just looking at him going, you know what? This doesn't seem like that bad of a slide. You know, I thought me personally, I thought I saw his foot hit the bag, which jet setted his foot up into Pedroia's calf. I don't know if that's what happened. That's what I thought I saw. Um, you know, so I, I shared my views. Obviously we, we have a great baseball writer, Jared Carabas, um, up in, up in Boston. He's our full time or, um, sorry, baseball guy for Barstool. And he, he, you know, took the side of the Red Sox and said, that's a, that's a dirty play by a dirty player. Um, he's a, the guy's a scumbag talking about Manny and this and that, which, you know what, that's fine. Anyone outside of Baltimore, if you say Manny Machado, the first two things that come to your mind are him throwing the bat and him knocking out your Ventura. So I can see why people outside of Baltimore think of Manny like that. But, I, I mean, I tried to reason with him and some other Boston fans, and it's just I might as well have been talking to a wall because I, you, I wasn't getting anywhere. They don't care, you know, what you say, which is fine. You know, it's my opinion. They don't have to believe it. But, you know, when I'm trying to show pictures of where he started to slide and why I don't think it was intentional, you know, him even attempting to pick up Dustin after, after the whole thing, I just – I – in my non-homer, you know, beliefs, I thought that it wasn't a dirty slide. I didn't think it was a late slide. I thought it was a hard slide. Right. He came in hard, but he was trying to break up a double play, which is, you know, that's what you do in baseball. It's not like Pablo Sandoval's slide in 2015 that's, that tore Scopes MCL. That John Farrell, of course, said, oh, that was a clean as a baseball play. Of course, he was singing a different tune here. Well, um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. That, that's what I saw. Can, can I ask a question? Does it mm-hmm. matter whether or not Manny Machado's slide was clean or not when it comes to throwing a baseball at somebody's head? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, it, you know, thank God he didn't get hit, and, and, you know, Matt Barnes is not good of a pitcher, so he couldn't, he couldn't ear hole him. But if Manny was laying there, Buster only put out an article, I think, like at 6 o'clock today, 6.30, something like that, and he mentioned, he said, you know, if they're wheeling Manny Machado out of there with blood coming out of his ears – because he accidentally slid in too hard to Dustin Pedroia. Like, that's a joke. That, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a joke. That's, that's what it is. And, and, and I know Buster had quoted an anonymous uh, player in the, um, in the article, and he said the same thing. He said, what are we talking about? He said, you could tell Manny didn't try and hurt him, and, and he's, getting, he's getting a ball thrown at his head 90 miles an hour, you know? And, and of course, when it happened yesterday, all of, uh, you know, like I said, I had a million Boston people in my Twitter mentions saying it was a foul ball why are you mad it was a foul ball it doesn't it doesn't matter what happened to the ball it's where the ball went i mean and that's like you know pete abraham the uh the what is he boston globe guy i think um he was he was that's what he was saying he said farrell's out um talking to the umps and he said i don't, I don't know why he's ejected it's a foul ball and it's like well your honor i i only shot the gun and the bullet went right by his head it didn't hit his head I, why am i in trouble like it's you. You can't do that. You can't throw a ball ninety miles an hour at someone's head and and expect to get you know. And especially for that, there's no reason. I was I would have been fine if they hit him in the calf, in the in the in the hip, in the back, something like that. Even on even even yesterday, I would have been okay with it. But like Dustin said, you know, do it do it the first day, do it that Saturday, get it over with. It's not Manny shouldn't have been put in harm's way because Stephen Wright was throwing on Saturday. And they didn't want to hit him with a knuckleballer because it's not hard enough. Well, you know, tag him and get it over with. I think Manny was expecting it, even though he said he wasn't. But, yeah, tag him, get it over with, and let's go on with the game. So fans are horrible, right? Let's just get that out of the way. You're horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm horrible. We're all horrible. Um, I, I'm an angel, so I don't know what you're talking about. Scotty is an angel. Uh, it's true. Uh, but beyond the fans being horrible uh, on social media – and by the way – Twitter is something that usually makes a game much better for me. This game, it just made it that much worse. I was surprised to see the media from all all sides of it get really brutal during this game. And, and you mentioned Jared Carabas, um, and he's been taking a lot of heat because of his comments for things like, you know, Matt Barnes drinks for free, or, you know, I'm just excited a Red Sox have a rival again. Where is it that you think that, we need to draw the line. Aren't, isn't it possible to say, okay, yeah, that, that we're just trying to draw uh, traffic, but on the other side say that that's just horrible clickbait. 
Yeah, and and I, you know, I'm not a fan of the clickbait, the the BuzzFeed. You know, you'll never believe what happens here, and you know, click here to find out and all that stuff. And yeah, I I think you know what Jared was doing yesterday was a little clickbaity. I I think he, he you know Jared and and other guys like that. They they I mean they they know the power they have on Twitter. Jared knows if he says something that he has you know sixty five thousand follower massholes right behind him who are like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like the guys in Braveheart just behind him, just ready to go. And all he has to do is say one thing and all those guys are unleashed. And then he can kind of step back and, and, you know, just watch, just watch the, the, the Twitter eggs, you know, go to war with, with people. But yeah, I mean, it was thing. I remember uh, Friday night after when Manny, when the slide first happened and it, again, Pete Abraham, the, the, the guy said it again, he said, you know, Manny will get thrown at stuff like that. I I don't think I will ever see Rock or Encina or you know Britt or anyone like that. Anyone that covers, I guess, the Orioles say you know say something like that. It would it's weird because they're supposed to be the capital J journalists. That should be us. That should be us bloggers who live in the mom's basement, you know, and stuff like that. Saying that, yeah. but these you know, like I said, the ca- the the capital J journalists who are saying. He's going to get hit. He should get hit. And like I said, Pete Abraham said a bunch of stuff like that yesterday, and then it magically disappeared from his Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean, um, but it was, it, it was it a great, was very interesting. It's a great point that you make. That in fact, you know, Dan Connolly posted about this on Saturday, and he said Buck had a problem with members of the media suggesting Red Sox should retaliate tonight. Buck wanted very little to do with the whole subject, and it's interesting because you point out these are uh, accredited journalists. Um, Pete Abraham again for the Boston Globe. Uh, you also had. Um, uh, Rob Bradford for WEEI. Again, members mm-hmm. that are part of the press credential in the press box many times. Again, my question comes back to, should there be repercussions on media members that instigate and state retaliation is necessary? If we want to potentially curb this behavior in this kangaroo court, why does the kangaroo court not also apply to media members for calling it out? I know there's been a train of history within the Boston media um, for some media members feeling like they are a part of the team. And to a certain part, I think that the Orioles media sometimes feel like they're part of the team as well. Maybe not Rock, for example, but I think maybe certain broadcasters feel like they're part of the team as well. Um, when does a parent company need to step in and say, you know, enough is enough. This is unacceptable behavior when someone's life and livelihood can be put in the, put on the line. Yeah, I, I definitely know what you're saying about uh people of the uh, Orioles broadcast team thinking that they're parts of the team. Uh, we, won't, we won't say any names, but I, I've heard some very interesting stories about that. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, because can, I guess the parent company, I guess they can kind of choose. They, they, they can tell these guys what to say and what not to say, but then can't these guys come back with the, you know, freedom of speech and they can, they can write whatever they want, really? I mean, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't think you'll see with the Orioles and Masson writers because, of course, Peter Angelos. But I mean, can 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 the Red Sox get Pete Abraham in trouble for saying stuff like that? I don't know, and I don't even know if you know the Red Sox or employees or players even pay that much attention to them. I, you know, you see that Adam Jones is close with with Rock and Britt and guys like that. But I don't. I, I'm I'm just not sure about on other teams if, if Mookie Betts is as close with Pete Abraham or if Dustin Pedroia is buddy buddy with um the uh, the, the other guy you mentioned um, Rob something. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be hard to kind of police that because, like you said, they're they're writing their opinions and their and their blogs or, or articles, columns, anything like that. So they can kind of say what they want, unless you know he has some magical power over Matt Barnes and and Pete. Ab- you know, Matt Barnes looked up into the press box and saw Pete Abraham give him a head nod, and Barnes said, "Oh yeah, that's right. He wrote in that article. You know, it's on. Let me hit him." Yeah. I, I don't know how much effect they have or, or you know, if if a company like that, the, the Globe or anyone else who owns a, a newspaper that a guy's writing for can can really police what they say. I mean, it, it's definitely interesting, though. Freedom of speech, though, means that they can't haul you off in irons. The government can't haul you off in irons for making yeah. a comment. It doesn't mean that there are no repercussions for what you have to say. And, you know, here in town, we have uh, a local media member whose press credential was revoked. Uh, because of his relationship with the team, and uh, uh, you're not going to mention his name, are you? No, one, okay, we don't mention his name on this podcast. One, <laughs> one thing that I would say is that hockey has fights because hockey doesn't do anything about the fighting in hockey, 
and baseball has headhunting because baseball doesn't do anything about the headhunting. Matt Barnes is going to get a four-game suspension unless, of course, he manages to appeal it down beyond that for throwing a heater at somebody's head. Baseball's not serious about it, and the media entities that are receiving the clicks, receiving the ad buys, are not going to take action against their own employees because it's good for them when things like this happen. Look at ESPN. Oh, that's a good ESPN point. ESPN has moved their their game to the uh, Orioles and the uh, Red, Sox, Red Sox national and game. Yep, because the, they're they, they're expecting blood basically. So they're just like, hey, this will be an easy way to get a bunch of people to watch baseball on a Monday night with the Stanley Cup going on, the NBA Finals going on. People will turn into this. Well, and, mm-hmm. and so my question is, if if they're not going to do it, you know, you mentioned all of us in our mother's basements, um, and and I hear you on that. It's very comfy down here, and plus peanut butter sandwiches whenever I want. It's, um, it's warm. But where where do we fit in with that? Like, you know, do we have a responsibility to to kind of be rational if if the capital J journalists are not going to uh, do so? And you know, do you? Look at uh, you know content creators that maybe you listen to or, or read or whatever, and and say you know these people lose credibility with me because you know they're into the hockey fights and they're into the head hunting, or they're Australian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, like I said, I mean, I've me just like you guys. I'm sure we've grown up rooting for this team for 20 years. So as much as I'll, you know, I when I blog, I, I don't want to be known as the fanboy and stuff like that. I, you know, I want people to go, Oh, you know, that was a good blog, not written about a guy just because he's watched the Orioles for 20 years and, and he loves them. I want them to be like, Oh, that's a good, that's a good baseball piece. Now that was a good point. Um, but then, then when you see stuff like that happen and a ball go behind, you know, your, your favorite player's head, that's when, that's when your fandom kind of comes out and you throw everything that you've kind of been, you know, not wanting to say and, you kind of throw that aside and, and you can say, you know what, screw that. That was Bush league. That's BS. Um, and you know, if I feel like it takes a lot to get the media guys like that, we read, um, and the, like you said, the content creators, the, the big guys to kind of come out and say stuff like that. Like we would, that's kind of their, you know, their, the no cheering in the press box. You can't have, you know, you can't wear your Orioles stuff in the press box, which makes sense. But when stuff like that happens, you know, I can, they, they follow this team closer than we do. So it's like, they're kind of, they're invested as much as we are. So it's, 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 it's always a bit surprising to me when they do kind of come out of their shell and say stuff like that, but then they quickly, you know, kind of go back and delete some tweets and, and let them cool down. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a slippery slope, I feel like. I believe the rule in the press box is you can't wear Orioles gear on the outside. I've worn Orioles gear uh, underneath my pants many a time. So that's just that's just they, they don't They don't frisk you when you walk in? Uh, they do. They like, he the pays per- them extra. But I pay them extra. Yeah, there's no question about it. I yeah, okay. five, basically. So, Jake, you've yeah. got one more question, I believe. <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say, I, 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 take, I take people, regardless of whether they're in the press box or in their mother's basement, a lot more seriously. If they have the ability to say, you know, Manny throwing a bat. That's Bush League and Manny getting thrown at. That's Bush League. I think that anybody with a brain that has the the ability to say both of those things are true uh, are the folks that we should be listening to. Because unlike the uh, four umpires and the help from New York in uh, Monday night's game with the rain and the foul fair ball situation, uh, the rest of us can see what is true and what is not about this game. Can we talk real Orioles baseball as opposed to like all this unwritten rule stuff? And like, I was just going to whine for an hour. It was going to be a usual bird's eye view. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'd love to talk real Orioles baseball with you, Eric, because um, we're entering in. The Orioles are the best team right now in Major League Baseball entering the week. But you'd already said it. You're a lifelong Orioles fan, so you know the other shoe is going to drop. So my question to you, Eric, is when is the other shoe going to drop? And what is it going to be that prompts this team to be not as good as they currently are? I think it has to, it has to be the starting pit. I mean, you know, as, as good as they've been the last, what, week, you know, eight, seven or eight games. I mean, we, we saw it tonight. Ubaldo, he looked like a star last week and then he comes out tonight and he, and he pees his pants on the mound, like, like, like the Ubaldo we were expecting. And this team, even though they're not hitting right now, which that's fine. They're, they're going to go through those spells where they're not hitting. We see it every year. It seems like 
it, there's a month that's either, you know, June, July, or August where they just seem to forget their bats in the dugout and go up there anyway. And that's what they're kind of doing right now. They're not, they're not hitting the homers that we really thought they were. I mean, they're hitting homers, but they're, they're coming in bunches. And that's, that's always been their problem. They, they come in bunches or, or they're solo shots. Um, but so e- even though they're not scoring, they've scored enough to, to beat some of these teams. Um, but I, I still think it's the pitching. It's Chris Tillman hasn't, you know, thrown a ball in a major league park this year. And who knows how, how he's going to be if he can come back on uh, May 2nd. Ubaldo is just a baldo. I think this is it. We've had over three years of this, this up and down, you know. I, my, one of my favorite things about this year on Orioles Twitter already is, the, you know, Ubaldo is the, um, he's a box of chocolates where everyone is seemingly talking about how you, you just never know what you're going to get. Um, I'm, I'm obviously a big fan of contract Wade Miley right now because he's just pitching out of his mind. And this Dylan Bundy is the Dylan Bundy that we thought we were going to see in 2012 that got hurt and then was healthy and then got hurt again and then seemed to get healthy and then he got hurt again. And then he was basically a rule five and now he, he was stuck there. And now he's here and this is kind of what we were hoping for. And then, it's the, I mean, Gossman, I don't think anyone saw this coming. If everyone had him taking five steps forward, not 10 steps back. I mean, he's just looked so bad. I don't know if it's mental with him or, or what. I mean, he's just, he's looked terrible. So I, it, oh. right now, I mean, there's nothing that's really, really pushing me to say, yeah, you know what? Gossman is going to turn it around next start. Or maybe Abato can put together five, six, seven good starts in a row and, and, you know, we'll allow him to have that one stinker. But I, like I said, I think I'm okay with the bullpen. The bullpen will still sort itself out. Um, it's the starting pitching. And that probably worries me and everyone else, you know, in the city of Baltimore. Well, if I've learned anything from this week about uh, hot takes from the media, obviously the reason that Gossman's not doing so well is because he's chewing gum. So as long as we can it's remove the, it's gum, the gum yeah. we'll be in perfect shape. So I also want to talk about a, a situation that hasn't blown up in our face yet. But it feels like it, it's going to happen eventually. So Britton has been on the DL, and the Orioles have been managing to get by without him pretty well so far, uh, with Brock and O'Day filling in as a closer role. Um, do you see Brock or O'Day as the better option if Britton can't come back quick enough? Because I, I don't think Britton is going to be back for at least another few weeks. Um, but which one do you see as the, uh, I guess, closer substitute for the time being? Um, I mean, give me Brad Brock. Yeah, I, I'll I'll take Brock right now. I think he's just he's looked so unhittable this year. He he's back to that first half Brad Brock, the you know um, that that we saw last year that everyone was campaigning for the All Star game and he made it. Uh, he I mean he's just looked some of his stuff has just looked so so good this year. And I think when he was in Cincinnati, he threw like nine pitches and then ten pitches I think in back to back saves. And he I, you know I, I've already mentioned it five times today, but he just he just looks so unhittable. Um, just real crisp stuff too. And O'Day, I feel like has has been the opposite. I'm I'm now finding myself worried when O'Day comes in, saying, "Oh crap, you know, what, I I hope he doesn't hang one here." And because he, I mean, he's been beaten around in some of his um, appearances this year. And and I know he was hurt last year. And and even when he was when he was playing, he wasn't you know he wasn't that good probably because he was hurt. So, I mean, I, I just still have that in the back of my head. It, it worries me. I know he came in and he got the one out, um, the one pitch saved the other night, I think, uh, against the Red Sox. But so just some of his outings, they, they, they scare me. I think people are kind of catching on to him now. It's, it's been a while. He had some great runs. I'm not saying he's done by any means. I just don't think we're going to see, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015 elite um, Darren O'Day. I, th- I think Brock is kind of establish himself. I think I think they've basically switched roles. It used to be, you know, in the seventh, O'Day in the eighth, Britain in the ninth. I think now we're going to see, you know, you get in, you can throw Givens in there too, but I think you're going to see O'Day setting up for Brad Brock, which I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Do you think that there's a cost in all the use of Brad Brock here in the first half? Because he was electric in the first half last year, and then second half, he clearly ran out of gas and didn't have the je ne sais quoi that made him first half Brad Brock. That now that we're enjoying, you know, not really missing an elite closer because we've got Brad Brock, does that worry you at all about what we've got for the pennant race and beyond? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, any anytime any of the bullpen guys, you know, you, you hear the word overuse and you're just like, oh, crap, it's, it's going to catch up at some point. And like you said, he, I mean, 
for as as great as he was in that first half last year, he was almost that bad in the end at the end of the year. He, I mean, he had a rough, and it just seemed like it would, like when it was raining, it was pouring, and it was just all at once. Uh, I think I remember hearing him say that he, I think he had a torn meniscus, partially torn meniscus, and he got that fixed um, in the off season. So maybe that had something to do with it. I'm not sure, but but yeah, he I'm definitely worried about any any overuse. That's why I, you know, give me a game where they win seven to one or, or six to six, nothing, you know, 10 to 10 to three, something like that. Like, you know, I don't want to see Vidal Nuno pitching in these games. I want to see him pitching in those games. So it's anytime we can really save him. I mean, that, that that's, that's what you want. I want him going into, going into the all-star break going, wow, you know, he only has, he's only thrown 30 innings and he throws another 40. Or, you know, if we need him to throw 50 or something after the All-Star break, that's fine because he was saved up and rested in the first half. But, yeah, I def- I, th- I think that's that's a worry. And Buck's pretty good at managing the bullpen. He can kind of he, – he's a good gauge. He, he gauges it well. So I, I think – I hope that we'll be fine as long as – as long as if, if Brock gets hurt, then that that's when I think we're going to start to see a lot of people getting worried or, or anyone else in that bullpen, really, because that's just going to lead to more, you know, um, overusage of, of these guys. Well, Eric, uh, I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Uh, hopefully we can have you back on a little bit later in the season to talk about uh, things after uh, some of the small sample sizes disappeared. Folks, if you're looking to follow Eric on and find out all his opinions about why Boston fans are wrong, you should be following him on Twitter at Eric RDT. You can also check out um, all of his work at barstoolsports.com uh, slash category slash DMV. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's something like that. If you go to the page, we have... Um, it's like a little a little drop down menu, and you can click on DMV, or we have, we have our own uh, baseball tab on there, and it, it filters out all the uh, the other stuff on Barstool, and it's it's just baseball stuff. So feel free to to go over and take a look at that. Well, Eric, thanks so much for coming on the show. We truly appreciate it. And just remember, Saturdays are for the boys. Exactly, always for the boys. Scott, it's been a very emotional week in Orioles baseball. And, uh, well, there was a lot to love. There was a lot to be upset about. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I have such deep and heartfelt emotions, I sometimes turn to the world of art and literature to express them. And I was wondering if perhaps our listeners would just indulge us for that moment in us freeing ourselves for that expression as we visit the Orioles Poetry Corner. You brought the bongos. Yeah. I'm touched. Yeah, no problem. Um, first, you know, though my wife does not listen, <clears throat> I would just like to to speak of great love, all right, in this first poem. And hopefully she understands that when I use the language that makes sense to me, what I'm talking about. Scotty, I write sonnets occasionally. Um, and this is the 13th. Go figure. And so if you'll indulge me, please. This is Sonnet 13. Shall I compare thee to a manny play? Thou art more lovely and more electric. Rough Sundays mar the darling games of May, and season's lease hath too short a metric. Sometime too hot on Twitter takes may be, and often are our orange glasses dim. And every foul from fair sometime may be, By chance or challenge changed in course unhinged. But thy eternal birdland shall not fade, Nor lose possession of first place thou owest, Nor shall elimination cast its shade, When in eternal lines our fandom grossed. So long as fans can cheer and pace and panic, So long lives this, and this is Oriole's magic. Do you use that voice for your wife? Because if so, I can explain a lot of things to you. No, it just it seemed appropriate. I gotcha. I, I actually don't really know what happened there. But Scotty, you channeled your inner Shakespeare, I believe, is what you did. I I did. Okay. I may I may have. That, gotcha. Some of that may have been lifted, even though he's well, he lifted it too. So let's let's be perfectly <laughs> fair. Well, I'm in good company then. Yeah, exactly. But I think that anybody 
who is as serious about poetry as you and I are understand that. So nobody that's listening right now. Totally. Hi, Sam and Alan. (laughs) One of the most (laughs) important vehicles for prose that we have as a species is that of the limerick. And um, we cannot, in good conscience, move forward in O's Poetry Corner without paying this particular art form the homage it so richly deserves. Oh, is this going to be like, there once was a second basement from Nantucket? See, you know exactly what this is. In fact, not far from Nantucket, my friend. Oh, okay. There once was a great baseball star whose talent had taken him far. He took a, a spike to the calf and the pink hat riffraff showed exactly what mass holes they are. See, that's that works well. That's better than my Nantucket thing, because I don't even think that second baseman is from Nantucket. Plus, your your rhyme scheme is somewhat limited to things that would just get coined over. That's true. That's a good point. Here's one I like about a, a rising star of our own. Okay. There was a first baseman named Trey, who was blocked from his position of play. Because he hit dongs, he proved he belongs. So his defensive defects will downplay. It's funny because you could have also put Toro in there, or Pedro, <laughs> or Alvarez, or anything that you wanted to. It really, it, it really does work. Now, I'm not sure if this next one <clears throat> is really going to work. I, I you know, I, I crafted it last week. To be fair, none of these have really worked. But. <laughs> <laughs> I put a lot of effort into this last week, um, so I just needed to take yourself back away from what we know now into what we feared then. Okay. Zach Britton, the O's depend on, and it looks like he needs Tommy John. He'll get PRP, and we'll wait and see, but surgery will be anon. You you should bury that one. I'm just going to be honest with you. The fact that you even mentioned Zach Britton and PRP in the same sentence, party foul. Well, he's had it once before in his shoulder. Ten points from Gryffindor. <laughs> Ten points from Gryffindor. You know, I I, I think... You're not on board with this, and I, and I don't blame you. And Scotty, it's just so structured, and I'm okay with structure when it comes to statistics. But from from a word standpoint, I just I'm sorry. I, I like something a little bit more free flowing. That's kind of why I like baseball, where it's kind of like ambient white noise to a certain regard. And Jake, that's why I enjoy being your friend, is because you're ambient white noise for me. I am nothing but ambient <laughs> white and noise. Well, <clears throat> in that case, can you maybe you maybe play us some music to get us in the mood for something a little more free-flowing? I I think I can do that. One second. That going to do for you? I think that'll work, Scott. Dongs. Dongs, dongs. Dongs, but no angst. No angst where I'm standing. Standing on Utah where balls are soaring and landing. Dongs. Take us to the top of the standings. Ovations like dongs are long and they're deep. So deep and so long of the game, who's the blame? Surely intentional walks. Oh, they've got to go. We need to make more dough on these breaks. Come on, cake, sell some snake oil or dough from our hometown bread. So we wave from the bench where Kim must reside on the pine with no pride, interpreter by his side, waiting for his chance to get off the schneid. Dongs, I cry, as Joe Angel waves them bye-bye. Dongs left or dongs right, out of sight. But in the night, it's dongs after dark, whether at home or in the park. That forever changed baseball. Camden Yards, hit it hard, hit it where? Hit it there, what about... Here, reads the flag, orange and black. Quick attack from the Birdland Power Company. Trumbos and jumbos and big fellas all. Boom boom and captain. Little bitty ears stand tall. Scopes at doping, hearty parties and an occasional F-bomb. Baby's not eating, but oh, Casty, oh, oh, oh my, watch them fly. It's a sight to behold. And when windows are closed and we are all old and the stories are told as we walk down the road which was once known as 2010 Utah Street, we'll tell them what we saw. All the dongs from the birds and the songs that we heard. It was a dong song, its tune sweet and strong. It had dumps like a truck and it lifted us up from the angst and the dongs. Yet mostly the dongs. Dongs. I gotta say, got a little little bit of a surprise in my pants right now. That was pretty nice. That was pretty nice. Getting a standing ovation over here. 
this is possibly one of the more ridiculous things we've ever done. Uh, yes. Yes, I would agree. Um, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we go and um, tear you down a little bit? And uh, let's go ahead and take some uh, some deep cuts. Yes, folks, it's that time of the week where we play some music that I have that no Jake idea. Probably never even heard of. <laughs> but Jake, I'm going to give you one that you should get. And again, I tell you what, if you, you said th- that last week and I was an idiot about it, this one actually is one that if you've known anything about the 1960s, you'll be able to recognize this one. In oh. fact, I guarantee you've heard it. The question is, will you be able to name the artist and the name of the song? So Jake, let's just start with this and I'll give you hints along the way if you need them. You ready? Uh, as, as I'll ever be. All right. I do know this. Hang on. She'd Rather Be With Me is the name of the song. So, Jake, your first hint. Is this the Buckinghams? This is not the Buckinghams, but I'll give you a hint. Jake, Sundays have been pretty rough lately for the Orioles, but back in the day, you used to watch this show with your son before you got rid of cable. Perhaps it was a blast from your childhood. Jake, this would be the turtles. <laughs> She'd rather be with me. All right. Nice. Nice. So, so, Jake, I will give you this one since you got it pretty much exactly right. And the turtles is an obscure 1960s band. Oh, no. The turtles had a couple big hits. A few big hits. But I, I'd say for the common mainstream folk... Uh, she'd be rather be with me. Is it certainly a different, different one that they've not, not heard of? So uh, that's going to be our deep cut for this week. So Jake, congratulations! You do not have to get inundated with stats talk. Well, in that case, uh, thank you for your leniency, Judge. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, how about we check out and see what was good, what was bad, and what was ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, oh yeah, and the ugly. Uh, Jake, I'm actually going to start this week, I think. Ooh. Uh, and I'm going to go my beginning one with Johnny Baseball. Jonathan Scope has kind of been under the radar, I think, this past week, uh, putting up a 154 weighted runs created plus. But the big thing that has been interesting to me is, Jake, Jonathan Scope is walking. What? Jonathan Scope is taking walks. He had an 8.7% walk rate this week, which, again, nothing to be too excited about. But Jonathan Scope is actually getting walks. We cannot make him the butt of our jokes anymore based on the amount of walks that he's getting right now. I know who's to blame. Okay. Adam Jones is to blame for setting a bad example. I will mention that this happened when uh, Scott Kubal first came in for the first month, and then it just disappeared ever since then. So, (laughs) again... Small sample size, small sample size. Small sample size. But uh, Jonathan Scope, uh, I, I like what he's doing up there at the plate lately. Whereas at the beginning of the season, I was just like, he's completely lost. He's got no clothes going on. So Jonathan Scope gets my good for the week. All right, my good for the week is Wade Miley. Definitely. And here's the thing. Clearly not sustainable. And when I say clearly not sustainable, a .077 BABIP and a 100% left on base percentage in his last game, which was... Eight innings pitched with 11 Ks, two hits, and a walk. That's the one. 11 Ks. Like, you could never have told me that Wade Miley was going to get 11 Ks in a game this season. Look, it's not going to be this good all the time, but when it's good, oh my God, it's good. He was so bad last season, it is very gratifying to watch this kind of performance, particularly when others in the rotation are having such a hard time doing it. So you're not buying that in Wade Miley's like last six starts, he's posting like a 2.38 ERA or anything like that? No, I, I think this is the peak uh, compared to the valleys we saw before, and he'll settle somewhere in the middle. Sure. I, I think we are both with a really bitter taste in our mouth with a few games for Wade Miley, but looking at the projection models, 
Wade Miley certainly forecasted to be a potential third, more likely than not, fourth starter. The real questions came back to what the heck does Waldo Jimenez do? And when Chris Tillman got hurt, who the heck is going to be the fifth starter? Wade Miley is a perfectly good fourth or fifth starter in any rotation for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, what he's doing right now, you're absolutely right, small sample size. But you know what? Occasionally, your fourth and fifth starter will come out there and throw gems like that. It's just nice that they're going to do it against a team that is, A, not that good, and B, when you're not hitting that well as well. It's nice to see a major league pitcher in our major league pitching rotation. Right. Um, all right, I'm going to take my bad, and uh, it's going to go to, I think, my good from last week. My bad's going to go to Trey Trey, who uh, posted a uh, pretty abysmal record this week, going uh, with a two-weighted runs created plus. Uh, more importantly, drew no walks and posted a 41.2% K rate. Jake, if this would have happened to Chris Davis this week, fans would have been livid on Chris Davis. But he's not Boom Boom. But he's not Boom Boom. We've never seen his mom. Uh, ooh. Chris Davis, we need to see your mom. That didn't come out right. It just did. It absolutely came out right. Jake, why don't you go ahead and take the bad? My bad. My bad is having opened my mouth and let let that come out. Um, my bad is. I'm glad I'm recording this right now because that is going to be used in future podcasts. <laughs> my bad is JJ Hardy. Uh, he had 23 at bats this week, which was among the team leaders. He had a negative two weighted runs creative plus. Um, three hits against seven Ks, and his only extra base hit was a double, which resulted in him being gunned down trying to tr- uh, stretch it into a triple. JJ, not a good look for you, buddy. Not a good look. You need to hit it into that corner at Fenway to hit a triple. You need to have it wedged under the wall and unable to be pried out with a crowbar to get a triple. You do not need to run to third for any reason. Can I can I motion for a quorum here for the, the ugly category next? All right, let's do it. Jake, I think you and I both agree... Who should be the ugly for this week? Do you want to go ahead and take it? Absolutely. It's Kevin Gosman. Absolutely. Kevin Gosman is hideously ugly. And Scotty, I hate feeling this way. I hate feeling this way. Listen to me. I was driving to a funeral on Sunday and was glad to get out of the car and have a reason to not check my phone or listen to the radio for the remainder of the game. That's ugly. Yeah. That is some dark, twisted stuff that Kevin Gosman has led me to. And it is not an isolated incident. Nope. Kevin Gosman is a problem right now. And I don't like Kevin Gosman being a problem because when you have Chris Tillman out and you have the likes of Aquino and Asher trying to claw their way into the rotation and you have a team that's doing well and just needs to pitch, we should be able to get good pitching from the guy we drafted so high and have been waiting for. It hurts especially bad to see it work with Dylan Bundy. Can you imagine how good it would be if we were getting them both? But somehow, Gosman has regressed, and you can't tell. You can't tell if he's just going through a rough stretch. You can't tell if he's on his way to having a down year. You can't tell if, you know, his arm's going to fall. Whatever. The point is, you don't know how long this is going to last, and it sucks to watch. It just sucks. And we talked about this off mic, I think maybe even yesterday. So let me ask you, Scotty. It looks like fastball control that's the problem, to my untrained eyes. What about you? So there's a great article um, that I recommend everyone go and read. This is prior to Gosman's last start, but I think it still holds true with the majority of points that were made. Uh, the article was on CamdenChat.com, written by Nick Sasir, and it's, The Orioles need Kevin Gosman to get on track, and he will. And the, and the whole article goes about going looking at what he's been succeeding at, which is basically nothing, and going through everything that he's not doing so well with. And really comes back to, Looking at his fastball command, it just doesn't look like he is being able to dot the perimeter of the plate as well as he has in the past. Um, and, and the other aspects is he hasn't been getting the whiff rate on that split finger um, that he has in the past, so he's not being able to get that K rate up, which is evidenced, too, by his K rate being dropping down to, I think, 6.2 this year as opposed to an 8.5. But again, that fastball command and being able to walk people left and right, left and right, has blossomed his walk rate up into Obaldo levels. So until Gossman can get that fastball command back and not walk as many players, um, he's not going to be a, a good pitcher. So he needs to get that and figure out what's going on. So I, I don't think it's anything to get too concerned about besides just the walk rate. The walk rate is it needs to go away as quick as possible. And the only way he's going to do that is by figuring out how to throw the fastball effectively. One thing I forgot in my ugly rant in this past game, he threw seven pitches and gave up three runs. And as soon as I tweeted that, 
he gave up a home run on the next pitch. Wow. <laughs> he's a, he's a disaster right now. And hopefully he writes to ship because we need him. Just move on from April, Kevin, and just focus on May at this point. I think he's still up at one more game to pitch in April, but, and Kevin, chew as much gum as you want. Yeah, seriously. That's ridiculous. Like just chew gum when, and do what you need to do. Um, anything else we have for ugly? No, I, I think we've, we've covered it in depth. All right, then do we go, want to go ahead and uh, blow the save this week? I do indeed. Scotty, we missed something big two Saturdays ago. Okay. April 15th should have been tax day. They moved it to the 18th, but that was still a big date. It was on April 15th, five years ago, that we began this podcast. It was the initial offering from Bird's Eye View. And so I just wanted to say thank you to Scott because he makes this thing run. He makes this thing work. I'd like to thank everybody who's listened over the past five years. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure to do. Thank you, Bob, Cletus, Rodolfo, and um, Aunt Jemima. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Scott, I was afraid that I hadn't gotten you the appropriate gift. I was afraid that I had, you know, I'd forgotten but I just looked it up, and the traditional fifth wedding gift... It's aluminum foil, isn't it? It's wood. Oh, it's wood. Well, so, I definitely got dongs earlier. So I, uh, I, mean, I, delivered. I delivered. I delivered, my definitely, friend. I'm definitely in good shape here. Um, well, with that, I think we've sufficiently blown the save. Why don't we go ahead and close out this show? Well, that's our show. And remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It really helps what's called the social proof of this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. And uh, you can engage with us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Google+, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where you can check out all our hot takes at Birds Eye View BAL. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, that's all I've got for you. So I bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. You know, if it could stop raining, I'd really like to get it to a ball game again. It's going to rain all the time. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.